0: blessed with. And Pastor Brent just celebrated Pastor Brent and Miss Kayla just celebrated their fifth anniversary yesterday. Was their fifth anniversary of them coming. And and Pastor Brent, you're you're much like us that Braden is your little calendar. Because remember we were waiting for Braden to be born. And then he came, and for us, uh, our calendar's getting bigger. It's Luke, Amen. and Luke will be uh, 14 here next week. and uh, that's how long we've been here. And uh, so I was just thinking about this precious staff that we have and uh, the Schwens. Uh, now that we start to get into the Christmas musical, uh, they pretty much stay here in the afternoon. They just stay here until, you know, just working through things and crockpot meals and all that. So um, feel free to invite them over. Or out. They may say, no, we, we got all these kids, amen. And just know this pastor will take all the kids, amen, uh, for the afternoon. And I'll come here like this afterwards, amen. We, we love our staff. We love our staff. I, I, I say that a lot, and I know you do, folks, but uh, I want you to just know, I, I, I've just this week talking to people and, and uh, especially um, second men, men that are just content to be behind the scenes. They're they're hard to find. They're hard to find. They really, really are. And so uh, last week, it, on Sunday night, we looked at uh, the phrase uh, from Psalm 122. You could probably on the same mine's on the same page as Psalm 126, and it said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go unto the house of the Lord. And we preached on a happy church, and <clears throat> what are some What makes for a happy church? And we talked about, hey, the first thing that makes for a happy church is the people of God. Amen? And the people of God that gather together, one with another, and we, we, we worship God. But then also not only the people of God, but there's the praise of God. Uh, It says in Psalm 149 that we're to sing praises in the congregation. Amen. And that's one of the reasons why we sing. We don't just do it to fill time. We do it because it's part of what a happy church does. Amen. We've got something to sing about. And more than that, someone to sing about. Amen. So the praise of God, the people of God. Hey, we've already had it. The prayers to God. First, to God. Listen, Jesus himself said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, amen. We had ladies' prayer earlier. and I realize, especially if you've got little ones, you're kind of running around, but I'd encourage you ladies to participate in that ladies' prayer. I'd encourage you, men, uh, we, we we had about eight or ten tonight, we've had as many as twenty, in my office, you know, tight fellowship, amen, but uh, it's a blessing to be in there praying one with another, and the prayers to God make for a happy church, so prayers to God, praise of God, people of God, I believe the preaching of God makes for a happy church, amen, uh, proper preaching, uh, and, and I will just say this, in <clears throat> Brother Merkel and I know we love to have fun about this, and, and we really do, in regards to preaching, good preaching, I will tell you this, though, Uh, Listen, don't get caught up into this mentality that's out there. And it's not a new mentality as well. I like this preacher, but I don't like this preacher. And I like this preacher, and I don't like this preacher. And listen, that happened in Corinth. They said, well, I like Paul. And one said, well, I like Peter. And the other said, I like Apollos. And Paul said, look, we all work for Jesus. Amen. As long as the preacher is preaching the word. Amen. You ought to eat it up, amen, just the nourishment. And then, of course, we talked about the peace of God. The peace of God in a, in a church makes for a happy church. The peace of, when the peace of God is more important than pridefully being right and straightening somebody out and giving somebody a peace of your mind, which some people can very little afford to give away any, amen, uh, the peace of God rules in our hearts and it ought to rule in our congregation. It always rules in a happy church. It always does. And so we looked at that last week. And, you know, according to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, you and I are made in the very image of Almighty God. And I think those of you that have children, you can see that in, in your own children. They are not you, but they bear your image brother Lally I've seen those pictures of you in your 20s and I see your boy I see your boy amen and and others of you we, we look uh, you know uh, Miss Kayla I look at you and I see you, I see your boys I see you just how much they look like you and how much they, and we are we are literally made in the image of God and listen part of us being made in God's image is something called emotion emotions we have emotions sometimes we laugh sometimes we cry why do we have emotions i promise you this because god has emotions yeah. never forget that that children's memory verse that has given away more candy than probably any other one john 11:35 jesus wept why because he had emotions he had emotions god himself Has emotions. And this this psalm is an emotional psalm. If you just look at it, and just by way of introduction, look at it with me. You see in verse 2, we see laughing. Right? What is laughing? It's an emotion. It's emotion. I was I was talking with my friend Chad Korea yesterday, and I mentioned the fact that every time we get together, Pastor Brent, we laugh. Many of you remember Pastor Donald when he was on staff here. One of Pastor Donald's chief duties was to make me laugh, Miss Kim. He made you cry, but he made me laugh. Amen. <laughs> uh, he did. He was just Pastor Donald was just that way, and 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 you know the emotions of laughing. How about another emotion? You see, uh, in verse two uh, of chapter one twenty six, there it said, "Then was our tongue, then our tongue with singing." Singing was an emotional response to what God had done. How about verse 3? The Lord hath done great things for us wherever we are glad. I see delighting there. We're delighting. That's emotion. And then, of course, verses 5 and 6, we see two very different emotions. We see weeping. Many of us have wept were different things in our life different heartaches by the way sometimes you weep in a good way yes. Pastor Brent I couldn't help but notice when you were privileged to marry Clinton and Elizabeth who are here this morning with their little daughter and they're going to be joining soon amen I couldn't help but see when Elizabeth came down and stood across from Clinton he began to weep almost uncontrollably and it was not a sad weeping It was a joyful weeping. Some of you have walked your baby girl down the aisle. Or you've given away, your moms have given away your baby boy. And you've wept the happy tears. You thought, now I can put in that hot tub in his room. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) No, there's there's weeping. But by the way, in verse 6, there's also rejoicing, isn't there? Those are all emotions. Now, by the way, I believe, and, and let me just kind of sidebar for a moment, uh, we should have our emotions in check according to the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures. Sometimes the church gets overly emotional and everything goes wrong. Listen, let this book govern your emotions. Nothing wrong with having emotions, but let it not violate the principles of this book. It's a really emotional song. But think about it, if you would, the context of this psalm. Imagine, we have some young children in the room, we have some teenagers in the room. Imagine, perhaps, being a young child or a teenager. It is hard for us in America to imagine this. It really is. But by the way, it could happen. And that is, imagine that an ungodly army were to come and take you and your family and your friends captive and take you out of the land and enslave you in a different land. That is the context of this psalm. Whether it, and and there's some conjecture, whether it was uh, Israel, the northern kingdom in the Assyrian captivity, or uh, Judah, the the, uh, southern kingdom in the Babylonian captivity, whichever it is. They had been taken out of the Holy Land, carried into a foreign land by a foreign power, and made to serve. By the way, as Americans, that is just not in us. That's the reason why we, you know, 250 years ago, threw tea in the harbor. Come on. Amen. I've, I know that American Christianity isn't the only kind of Christianity, but I'm still an American. So imagine that this, this happens. Each time that I make my way back. To New England. I'm filled with emotions. I I think of again, if you were taken out of your land, you would be filled with emotions. This time, as I I went back to New England, I'm filled with emotions. I I I and I and by the way, I left well. I I wasn't was I never left New England badly. I left New England to come here, but every time I go back, I think about how how sweet it is to go back and remember things and all that. Listen, this Group, if you look at verse number 1 of Psalm 126, it said, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were as them that dream. I cannot imagine how the Jews must have felt after the years of captivity, coming back to their homeland. Coming back to the land of their nativity. Understanding the context of this psalm provides such wonderful spiritual insight to verses that we are very familiar with in application. Let's be honest. If you've gone to an independent Baptist church at all, you are familiar with verses 5 and 6. You are. You have heard sermons of application on verses five and six, namely, "They that sow in tears shall reap in joy." Amen. And we'll we'll talk about that. But I believe the context provides even more insight to that. And so, notice with me in verses one and two, the reality, the reality. He says there, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And then they said among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The reality was, this was so good, it was like a dream. Have you ever had one of those dreams before you wish you didn't wake up from? It was so good that you tried to go back to sleep and bring it back up, amen? I've had a few of those in my life. Then I've had other ones where I woke up and said, what on earth was that? Amen. Anybody else out there with me? Amen. This was a case where where they had been released to go back to Jerusalem. I think of uh, my grandfather's story, and I've told a little bit of his story before. Everybody knows, I shouldn't say everybody, but most historians know, if you studied any basic world history, you know the date, September 1st, 1939. September 1st, 1939 is the day the Germans invaded Poland and World War II officially began. But two weeks later, In conjunction with the private uh, German-Soviet pact, the Russians invaded Poland on the other side. As if it wasn't bad enough that the Germans were invading on one side, heavily armed, then the Russians on the other side, just as heavily armed. We used to say, you know that phrase, uh, uh, between a rock and a hard place, if you looked that up in the dictionary, you'd see the map of Poland. My grandfather was in Poland at the time. He was just a, a young man, 19, 20 years old, and he was taken prisoner by the Russians. Now let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, he had a lot to say about Russian communism, and none of it was good. He said, for anybody that thinks communism is a good thing, let me tell you what it's really like. And they took him up to Arcangle in Russia, which is literally the top of Russia. It's in it's close to Siberia. It was a, a prisoner camp and, and it was a death camp. They, they they used them for for cannon fodder and miraculously through General Shikorsky and, and General Anders. He was part of what was called what was, became known as the Anders Army, and their story is told in the book called Trail of Hope, uh, by Norman Davies, that they were released. The Soviets didn't even care about their own people. They literally, as they would go into battles, they'd give one a gun and one bullets. And so the idea of that was to waste German bullets. So, okay, when, when this one gets shot, you pick up the gun or you pick up the ammo and you put it in and you start shooting. It's unbelievable. So for them to release Polish prisoners was nothing short of a miracle. And my grandfather made his way all the way down Russia, all of it, into a place called Persia, a place that's playing quite a bit in world events right now. We know it as Iran, and made it into Iraq and hooked up with the British and for, was part of a, a Polish outfit called the Free Poles and they fought at the Battle of Monte Cassino and through that my grandfather got British citizenship and then through that rescued my grandmother from Russian captivity, married her sight unseen think about it we brought a house sight unseen he married his wife sight unseen to rescue her and through that they got American citizenship, came here Just, it's an incredible story it's, it's like a dream and I'm telling you what, when Israel came back from captivity and they, they began to make their way back and walk into the Holy Land, it was like a dream. I wonder how it was in 1948 when they came back into their land, Brother Jim. Like a dream. Just like a dream. So the reality was they had to pinch themselves because it was like a dream, but it was actually better than a dream. It actually came true. We are back in our land. Wow. The reality. God's people were finally free after captivity. So, not only the reality, but in verse 2, we also see the rejoicing. Who was it? Well, you could say, well, it was the king of Assyria, it was the king of Babylon. No, no, no. It was God. The Bible says in Proverbs, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turneth it whithersoever he will. See, God had done it. The rejoicing that had taken place, it produced laughing, it produced singing, amen, and they they recognized that God had done it. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Think of the rejoicing as they came back to their land. Think of the singing. Maybe they were singing some of the psalms, I don't know. Maybe it was the song of Moses in deliverance, amen, but they were rejoicing coming back into the land. By the way, we ought to rejoice in this land of freedom. My goodness, I know America's not what she used to be, and she's got all kinds of problems and all that, but she is still the best land in all the world. And we've not been taken out of it, but we ought to rejoice that we still have it. So there's the reality. In verses 1 and 2, there's the rejoicing. God did it, and it produced laughing and singing. And then in verse 2, there's the remarkable. Look at it. The remarkable. What is the remarkable in verse 2? It's the second half of the verse. Our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they, among who? The heathen. The Lord hath done great things for them. So that's how you can tell it's, it's the heathen here that are actually saying the Lord hath done great things for them. Remember when the spies came into Jericho? Remember that's It's a great story. It's a great story. And Rahab, they, they met Rahab and Rahab hid them. And Remember what Rahab said? She said, we've heard what the Lord did. And by the way, it created faith in Rahab, and this woman who was a harlot became somebody in the line of Jesus Christ, the mother of Boaz, Ruth's husband. Just an amazing story. Hear the 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 heathen say, Wow, the Lord hath done great things for them. You know, church family? You know what we're called to do in this world, according to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16? We're called to be salt and light. Salt, that's your Sunday school class, Pastor Alex, amen? Salt and light. And, and you could say a lot about salt. Salt affects everything you put it on. Salt irritates sometimes. Put salt in a wound, it'll clean it out. It'll cleanse, Amen. But what does is, what is light do? Light shines in darkness. And Jesus said, let your light so shine that they may see, who's they? The Lord, the heathen. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is exactly what happened right here. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just the release into captivity. Maybe it was the way. I think about what it says in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 about the captivity in Babylon where God says, look, build houses and plant vineyards and serve, serve Babylon. Amen. You're going to be here for 70 years. And maybe it was the way they served. Maybe it was what Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5? He said, uh, hey, you, you've heard it's been said uh, that you're to go, uh, to go a mile with the Roman. The, the Jews were required to carry the Roman's things for a mile. Yeah. Remember what Jesus said? He said, go twain. Go two." And you think about that, what that must have done to a Roman soldier, Brother Jim, when they they took all that gear and it was so heavy and here's these, these angry Jews that knew they had to carry it a mile. And that one had a smile on his face. He said, I'll keep walking with you if you don't mind. Remarkable. Remarkable that the heathen said, the Lord hath done great things for him. Rejoicing. Reality. at the reverence in verse 3. One of the verses I quote on social media more than any other verse is verse number 3. There's a reverence here. What is it? They said in verse 2, the Lord hath done great things for them. But here, they say the Lord hath done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. You know, it's one thing, I think I was just with my friend Marty Schott, he's been at the same church for 38 years. Just got an assistant this year, we would prayed for him for many, many years, that God would give him a good assistant, God gave him a wonderful assistant, it looks like he's going to transition out, and this young man's going to transition in, and to God be the glory. But I think about Marty, and I, I just, I was on Facebook, and, and I'm, I'm in a couple of the Game groups for my baseball game, and I had mentioned that I was out in New England preaching, and one of the fellows said, where were you? And I, I said, well, I was in Holyoke, Massachusetts. I said, I was in New Hartford, Connecticut. He said, where in New Hartford? Now, you have to appreciate New Hartford. It would be like saying, Brother Keith, I'm from Rives Junction. Nobody knows where Rives Junction is unless you're from Rives Junction. And I said, New Hartford, Connecticut. He said, where did you preach? I said, Harvest Baptist Church. He said, oh, it's right on the right on Litchfield Turnpike. He said, I lived there all my life until recently. And I I mentioned, Brother Jim, I said, you know, it was just a field 25 years ago. And now there's one of the most beautiful church buildings, a scenic New England church building there. The heathen have seen it and said, wow, wow. But it's nice that the heathen says, wow. It's a whole nicer thing that God's people say, wow. Wow. You know, God's done great things for you. Sir, yada, look at your wife and thank God that you married up. Thank God that she wasn't thinking straight when she married you. Amen, apparently. (laughs) Hey, God's done great things for you. One of the great privileges I have as a pastor. I have so many great privileges. One of the great privileges I have is I saw Eric and Tasha this morning uh, singing, and and I thought of the privilege I had to unite them in holy matrimony. And I thought of those of you that have had children from Travis and Joyce. I remember uh, my wife holding little TJ. What a privilege. How good God has been. Amen. We ought to say, the Lord hath done great things for us wherever we are glad. You don't have to wait to heaven to praise him. No. You can praise him now. You gotta, you gotta, by the way, you start your devotional time with praise. Lord, thank you for... You know, I woke, I woke up this morning and it was chilly fall. I love that, by the way. I, I just, I love the fall. But I was thankful that my home was warm, Brother Jim. God's been so good to me. God's been so good to you. God was so good to the people of God that the heathen noticed, and then they had a reverence, and they reverently gave him praise in verse 3. But then there's the request. And this is where we really get into the context of things. Tommy's praising the Lord back there, Brother Tim. Amen. Look at verse number 4. We see the request. So we see the reality, the rejoicing, the remarkable, the reverence, and then the request, verse 4. What's the request here? Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams of the south. What, What does this have to do with? Listen, they had been out of the land for a long time. And I don't know when they came, if it was, I think, I believe it was spring, but that land hadn't produced anything for a long time because they were in captivity. And the practical request was, Lord, help the land to produce again, turn again our captivity, that it would be like the streams of the south. But also, there's a, Prophetic request there, and it's really, revive us again. Make us appreciate what you have done for us. Help us to realize that it's you and you alone who are worthy of praise. And help us to worship you. Boy, I'll tell you what, when you get to praising God, it'll lead to worship true worship, the request was that the land would produce again but also that there would be a spiritual revival that would take place again. Turn again our captivity. But then we see the remedy in verses 5 and 6. And again the context of this means so much. It says, They that sow in tears Shall joy. I, I was doing quite a bit of study on this, and uh, I love this uh, author. His name is Warren Wiersbe. Warren Wiersbe pastored the Moody Church for many years. He's got all these little commentaries on the on Bible books. That they're all be like be ready, uh, be wise, and, and then he came up with a whole set of them. Uh, but. It, I have, One of the first books I ever read by him was uh, Prayer, Praise, and Promises. It's devotional on the Psalms. And I read it years ago. I was just so blessed by it. And he said in this, he said, The context of this psalm is when Hezekiah, king of Judah, was attacked by Sennacherib, the, the Assyrian forces. The enemy's forces surrounded Jerusalem. And they had already lost an entire season of sowing and reaping. Grain was precious when the people went back. They had to make a decision. Should they sow the grain, or should they use the grain to feed their, them and their children, or should they sow it knowing that it would bring forth a harvest? The farmer wept. Because literally his sustenance had to go in the ground. But he knew that the God that had brought them back would grow those crops. So again, sometimes we read that verse, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy, and we we appreciate it, but we don't always understand where it came from. Imagine somebody Brother Jim, he's got four little ones. And he's got this bag of grain and he's weeping he's like we need this what are you going to do and God says they that sow in tears shall reap in joy I want to tell you this ladies and gentlemen when you, when you get to that point where you say I don't know what to do and you keep sowing good things in your life and we're going to talk about some of those things that you'll reap in joy We've all come to the place where we—if uh, you haven't yet, you will. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to make it? How is this going to happen? How, whether you uh, listen, I think sometimes of a husband if you lose a job, or, or if you're the wife of a husband who loses a job. How how are we going to? And sometimes we keep it to ourselves. Sometimes we talk amongst ourselves. Sometimes we fuss a little with each other, like we just get frustrated. And how are we going to do this? They it so in tears shall reap in joy. The remedy is sow in tears. So then there are the requirements given in verses 5 and 6. And this is kind of where we get our application to this. says, Then they that sow in tears shall weep in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. The first thing we see, and there's, there's four here, first thing we see is sowing. Sowing. Obviously, the, the idea here is actually sowing grain into the ground, but we can certainly apply that in our life to investing our time, talents, and treasure to get the gospel to other people. By the way, the greatest thing that you can ever sow in somebody's life is your time. Time. Time can never be got back. Talents, uh, you know, treasure. We, you know, again, everybody has that on different, but we're all, we're all given 24 hours in the day. Time. So sowing. But then not only sowing, but according to verse 6, it says, he that goeth forth. So there's not only sowing, but there's going. You can't sow if you don't go. Listen, we sow a little bit here amongst each other. I guess I probably sow a lot in your hearts and in your life. But if we're gonna if we're gonna really sow, we've got to go out in this world. I think about missionaries. What do they do? They go so they can sow. So there's sowing. There's going forth. And then in verse 6, he that goeth forth in what? Weeping. Weeping. When's the last time? When's the last time you shed a tear for somebody that's lost? Say, so why do you say that, pastor? Because our hearts get cold. Mine too. Think, well... God, I've shared the gospel with them so many times, and they just reject me and reject me and reject me. And we kind of pacify ourselves when we're supposed to be weeping for them. Imagine somebody you love in hell if that doesn't cause you to weep, you need to read your Bible more. When you know that hell is eternal, when the, the fright that is going to overtake somebody moment that they shut their eyes and take that last breath and open their eyes and it's smoky and 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 the heat is just absolutely overwhelming but there's nothing they can do I often think about that uh, when we, we we have a bonfire and you know you, you get close to the fire maybe you toast a marshmallow or a hot dog or something like that and you get a little too close to Miss Maria and it's it's you, you back away there's no place to back away in hell. No. no place to go. So weeping. And that's really the ministry of tears. I thank God for tender hearted servants that I've known through the years. And I, and I understand, I understand some people are more stoic. But weeping is an emotion that's caused by an internal burden. We're supposed to be burdened for the lost. Not only burdened for the lost. I I understand that. It's it's part of the balance of the Christian life. By the way, the hardest thing in the Christian life is balance. Just being balanced. Some people, I'm I'm only going to be a soul winner. No, you need to pray too. You need to read your Bible. You need to have fellowship with other Christians. You need to praise Him. there's, There's just balance in the Christian life. But part of that balance is weeping. So what, what's, what's required here? What are the requirements? We see sowing. We see going forth. We see weeping. And when I think of weeping, this is the heart of God. It's sincerity. It's sacrifice. It's sorrow for sinners. You know what it is? You know who we are many times when it comes to weeping? We're Jonah. Remember Jonah? The story of Jonah. And Jonah, listen, Jonah, God said, I want you to go this way and preach to Nineveh. And he said, fat chance, I'm going this way. And God said, oh, well, I've got this whale over here It's waiting for you. I think of all the preparations in that. You ought to read those four chapters. We just read it a couple weeks ago in our Bible reading. And uh, all the preparations that God made for Jonah. He prepared a great wind. He prepared a great fish. At the end, he prepared a gourd to shade him. You remember that Jonah was more upset that the Ninevites had gotten saved yep. yeah. and then that the gourd had dried up. Yep. You know what? You know what the weeping is? It's the heart of God wanting those Ninevites to be saved, even though they didn't deserve to be. They were wicked, and that's why Jonah didn't want them saved. Listen, church family. If we're not careful, we can be the exact same way. You know those sodomites, they they deserve what they get. Well, the truth is you deserve what you would get too if somebody didn't come along and weep for you. Or there wasn't a local church that believed in weeping and praying and fasting and sowing and going in a community. Some people don't go on Saturdays or uh, free Bible outreach or sowing seeds at Spartan Stadium because they just don't weep. They just don't care. That's a sad thing. That's even more sad than weeping. So there's sowing, there's going forth, there's weeping. But then there's bearing precious seed. So you can can sow, you can invest your time, your talents, your treasure, you can go forth, you can weep, but you still need to bear precious seed. And we know that the seed is the most important thing that people need. Remember the parable of the seed, the sower, and the soils. Jesus said, a sower went out to sow his seed. And then he explained the parable to his disciples. And the first thing he said was, the seed is the word of God, Luke 11 you know what Jackson needs it needs the word of God you know what Michigan needs especially in Lansing it needs the word of God you know what this the United States of America needs it needs the word of God it needs people going forth sowing reaping bearing precious seed there's a ministry that's just moved into our area, and I can't wait to get them here. Lord willing, he'll be part of our missions conference this year, Brother Dan Gill, with the seed-line ministry of Bearing Precious Seed. You know what it is? You do this. The church pays for all the materials, for John and Romans, for a particular language, and then Brother Gill brings them all to the church, the church puts them all together, staples them, boxes them, and sends them off to a foreign country. I, brother Boston, I love that. Getting everybody who wants to be involved involved, and just they. He mentioned that they had a blind man who was putting the covers on. Now I laughed. I thought, what if it's upside down? You know, I just said. That that he, he could just put that they, they put him right where they were and he just uh, felt he, he put him on there he's like you know he had a big braille bible he said I can't read this but I can help in some way and I was like oh my goodness that is the best thing I ever heard in my life I can't wait to get him here and try to schedule a week where and they just they stay all week and people come and go and and you know put it together and fold it and staple it and all that and I was like oh that is awesome. That's bearing precious seed. Hey, you ought to carry gospel tracks. I'm your pastor because of a gospel track. Yeah. Literally. I was saved because of a gospel track. Bearing precious seed. Everywhere you go. You leave a tip. If you leave a good tip, leave, leave a Loomis Park Baptist Church track. If you leave a bad tip, leave a fellowship after. No, I'm just kidding, Pastor Wright. I love you. Amen. (laughs) Bearing precious seed. And then there's not only the reality and the rejoicing and the remarkable and the reverence and the request and the remedy and the requirements. Praise God for this. There's the results, isn't there? What are the results that are given there in verses 5 and 6? What's it say? It says, they that sow in tears, there's a great Bible word, shall reap in joy. Now look at Psalm 37 and look at the word shall. Just take your, your pen or your highlighter and mark the word shall. It's a guarantee. If you sow in tears, going forth weeping, bearing precious seed, so there's, there's the guaranteed joyful reaping. Then also it says there, verse 6, shall doubtless come again with what? Rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. Hey, you think about that one that sowed in tears, and, and and forgive me, all spring long, his heart just was green, and I'm sure his belly was green because he didn't have much food, amen. And then as he saw those little shoots coming out of the ground, and he like, oh Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And summertime came, and knee high by the 4th of July, amen. And then got to be August, and it got to be reaping time, and he thought, I, I thought I wasn't going to have anything, and now i have got." listen, listen. One day, ladies and gentlemen, those of us that sow in tears will reap in joy, will darkness come with rejoicing. That co-worker that you prayed for and tried and tried and tried and tried, one day the dam breaks, amen, and one day they receive Christ, and you may not even know about it, but one day you're going to stand before your Lord and He's going to say, you know what? You you, you bear precious seed, you weep and look, look at who's here because you did. But you gotta go back to those requirements, don't you? Sowing, going forth, weeping. See, I think that's the missing ingredient in a lot of our bearing precious seed. Yeah. See, if we water that seed with tears, it'll grow. If we just bear the precious seed. I mean, again, I thank God for everybody that bears precious seed who sows and goes. I really do. And may God break our hearts. Because if he does, it would be no problem to have volunteers for outreach. Right. No, we'll have to turn people away. But Nicole, will have to have two spots for the three Bibles. But I'm like, have to, two, three spots. Because people are weeping and they truly care whether people die and go to hell or not. The results. Guaranteed joyful reaping, doubtless rejoicing. One day those who have sown in tears, bearing precious seed to others, will have a bunch of sheaves with them. Now I'm not preaching, I preached on it I think last year, but those of you that know the law of the harvest, there, there are several laws of the harvest. And I think most of us know you, you, you reap what you sow. We know that from Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. But a simple law of nature's harvest is you always reap more than you sow. That's why God tells us in regards to missions giving, he says, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap also sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap also bountifully. Brother Hugh Howland, Mama Donna passed away last week. Brother Hugh passed away right around Father's Day. He used to say to me all the time, he said, you take three little seed corns and you get 12 years. Think about that. Think about that. But then also... The law of the harvest is you always reap in a different season than you sow. You got to sow first before you can ever reap. The ministry of tears. The ministry of tears. The reality. It was like a dream. The rejoicing. God did it, produced laughing and singing. The remarkable, the heathen said, God hath done great things for them. The reverence, they said, God hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. The request, turn again our captivity, oh, help the land to produce, and oh God, produce a spiritual revival in us. An appreciation for you, a holiness in our life. The remedy, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. The requirements, sowing, going forth, weeping, bearing precious seed. And the results, guaranteed joyful weeping and doubtless rejoicing. Father, help us.